What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 super girl radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we're going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Menagerie. But first, we need to catch up on the news. If you were worried about the show's future, don't be, because Supergirl has been renewed by the CW for a season five. Yay! I guess we will be coming back to do some more Supergirl radio in season five. I guess we've also been renewed. Yes! (laughs) Andy cancels us. He's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we get another season of the show, and we'll... we'll, uh, be back to do another season of the podcast. So uh, congratulations to everybody who works on the show, and uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing what they have in store for us next season. I'm excited. Um, so our other news is that on her Instagram account, Melissa Benoist announced her engagement to Chris Wood. So there is a scenario, there's a universe in which Kara and Monel are getting married. <laughs> Congratulations to them. Congratulations to that universe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very exciting for Melissa and Chris. Uh, I felt like that was a little bit relevant to the podcast and covering Supergirl news because uh, Supergirl is getting married. Very cute. Congrats to both of them. She has a, a an absolutely massive rock. Like if that was kryptonite, she would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good thing it's not kryptonite, and it is a very nice ring, and uh, so we uh, wish them all the best in the future, so congratulations to them. Well, let's get to talking about the Season 4 episode of Supergirl titled Menagerie, so here is the official description. Quote, with his P.I. shingle newly hung outside his office, Jean welcomes new clients. Trying to take her mind off what happened at the DEO, Kara decides to team up with Jean on his latest assignment, which unfortunately ends up tying directly into Alex's current investigation that involves the villain Menagerie, guest star Jessica Mraz. Meanwhile, Lena shares some news with James, but his reaction isn't what she expected. Nia invites Brainy to her Valentine's Day party unquote okay so that's a lot of stuff to cover that description got like 
like fun like who was who was writing these new descriptions i mean they got into some real detail in that one yeah it was like listen he's sh- hanging his shingle <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, happening. uh it's like uh elaine bennis on seinfeld when she was writing for uh oh the jay peterman yes <laughs> When she, yes. w- she was uh, describing all of the things about the clothes and the shoes, that's what that makes me think of. Somebody was really putting some effort into that description. Somebody was like, you know what? I'm not just going to write what happened. I'm going to interpret it. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done, whoever that was. Uh, so since this episode title is Menagerie, which um, when I look at that word, I say menagerie. Uh, maybe it's because I took four and a half years of French and I just I feel like that should be pronounced kind of Frenchy. I don't know. Uh, so it's taken me a lot to say menagerie because that goes against everything I see when I look at that word. <laughs> but so since this episode was titled Menagerie, uh, Morgan, what did you think about the introduction to this character and uh, the, the performance and what she was doing? Yeah, I really like this character. I, I, I can't. I was having a really hard time because the actress to me looks looked so like deeply and intensely familiar but I don't know that I've ever seen her anything like it, I was just spent the entire time going like how do I how do I know you how do I know you but um I thought she did a really good job and I, I thought that she seemed like a, a really fun villain which I'm gonna be honest I could use some fun villains like they uh our villains this season have been what I would call topical and less fun just less fun like like i don't want my villain to be like the news that's not that's not fun for me but uh and then we had we briefly had mercy and otis and they were great and then you know they got killed off like with so little fanfare what was that about it feels like why were they even here (laughs) uh so i've i've held a, a a big grudge about that. Uh, so I felt like she was kind of a throwback to those, like, just like chewing the scenery. I don't care about morality. I'm not trying to make a stance. I'm just trying to steal some jewels. And listen, I feel that. I really, I really like her <laughs> so much. I just felt like, to me, it was like such a breath of fresh air. There was some other topical topics in this episode but like when I focused in on her it was just like this is this is what I I want more of this is it, it kind of felt like um a throwback to some of the villains that we've had in Supergirl past like Livewire or um what was the what was the one with the kiss makeup that screamed oh the silver banshee silver banshee she was great too <laughs> uh, and and i i also feel like supergirl has had so many great like classic female villain characters and so it was nice to see another one of those back and i i felt like because she was a diamond thief and that was sort of her whole deal it was it was kind of nice that she kind of like the um the one, the one of the world killers last season who had like no redeeming quality. Oh, uh, Grace. Like, uh, the other girls were all trying to like <laughs> yeah. fight it so hard. They're like, I don't want to hurt anyone. And Grace is like, I'm going to die. Just take me. <laughs> <laughs> like she was, a, a Menagerie was a total Grace and I loved it. <laughs> Grace was the best world killer. I think She's we so have established great. that. <laughs> uh, RIP Grace, you were the best. Um, but yeah, no, I actually, 
actually agree with that because, and I have a, I have a, an aversion to the word fun because I feel like it gets used too much, and I try not to use it personally because I, I, I think that there should be another way to like. I want to force myself to describe things another way instead of just saying fun, but. This is the kind of fun stuff that it it is a nice change of pace from everything that they've done this season because everything has been so topical and heavy and um, for me a little bit frustrating. And so to have a villain like this who is campy, who is, um, you know, all about committing crimes. Yeah, just over the top and like no, no, she didn't need to have redeeming quality, (laughs) which is a weird thing to say about like a character on a show. But like the show didn't like bend itself backwards to be like, actually, uh, in her childhood, a diamond (laughs) murdered her father. Like... (laughs) A diamond ruined her father's camera, and that's why she must do this. Like, if she was just like, I'm greedy. Like, that's all That's all we needed. Yeah, I think that I, I've actually been uh, wanting for something a little silly like this from the show for a while. We did have that uh, dragon episode. Oh, that was a great uh, one. But, but I, I wish the show was a little more of this sometimes, just to, to have something a little, a little goofier, just to kind of... Um, make make the tone a little lighter occasionally um so this was uh, a nice change of pace and i did like the actress she did she was pretty commanding she committed to uh to be in this this character who really didn't care about anything else but herself and um i did uh like the way they showed her because she did see as much as i know about menagerie from the comics this was pretty close to that with the the snake and, and those abilities. Um, so I liked the way that she was portrayed. The only thing that I thought I was a little confused on was I didn't totally understand the relationship between Pamela and the snake. I, I wasn't sure if she could control it. I was also confused by that, like... Could she control it eventually, or were they like buddies? Like, where was she just like, listen, you get your hearts, and I'll get my diamonds, uh, <laughs> BFF forever. And the the like the snake was like awesome, and then they just sort of like I don't know how they would high five, and then they just went to do their business. <laughs> It was a little, it was made a little, it left a little murky. Yeah, it did merge. They did, they do say in the episode that it merged with Pamela. And she says at one time, I'm not Pamela. We are Menagerie. Uh, So it does seem like they are connected now. And even the DNA, it seems like, has merged together. So I... (laughs) I don't know. I guess that means she can control it a little bit, but it seemed it seemed it did seem like sometimes she didn't know that the snake was back there crawling in her neck. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know how that works. So I kind of the only thing if I was going to critique the menagerie stuff is that I wish we had gotten more time with, you know, kind of setting up how she relates to the snake. And all that, because we've got a lot of season left. I kind of think that, you know, you could have taken a little more time to show us how that all worked. But I guess in the end, you don't need to know. It's just a weird snake alien that (laughs) then merged with her. I guess that's all we need to know. But 
part of me wishes I could understand that a little more. Yeah, I was a little confused with that as well. Also, I, it bothered me so much that I just looked at, looked her up, um, the actress, on IMDb, and I knew her from Chasing Life, where he, she played Natalie. So just in case you were watching the episode, she was also in uh, Major Crimes as Camilla. I think that was like a, a bigger role of hers. But just in case you were watching it and you're like, God, I can't place her face. That's some of the places you might have seen her. What was Chasing Life? Speaking of Silver Banshee, it was the show um, that she was in. She um, had cancer. She had cancer, yeah. yeah. Okay. And she was like a reporter in Boston. She had some friends. I did watch that, and I'm trying to p- uh, put Pamela Snake Lady's face in that show, and I can't think. Yeah, she was like, I think she showed up in the second season. She was like the, um, like the stepsister or something like that or the long lost sister or something there was obviously so many drama turns in that show it was a it was a decent little show so uh i would recommend it even though i've kind of forgotten some of it now but that's a good reminder uh okay so we've talked a little bit about menagerie she was going around uh, the snake was taking out some hearts which was really gross very fitting for Valentine's Day, I guess, though. Uh, and she was stealing stuff, and she was being tracked by both the DEO and Kara and Jean. So uh, what did you think about the... There was some tension in this episode between Kara and Alex, especially, and how they were both, you know, the same crime scenes together, and that conflicts with the mind wipe and what Alex knows, what Alex doesn't know. So <laughs> what did you think about how all that went down in this episode? Uh, the mind wipe, <laughs> the <laughs> continued mind wipe. Um, yeah, I, I thought that there, like, the, the tension was interesting to watch because from Alex's perspective, Kara is just a mild-mannered girl reporter. <laughs> and so when she's in these scenarios, it's probably pretty scary to watch like a giant snake creature lunge at your what you think human uh like you know sister who doesn't have you know superpowers or skills or anything like that um and obviously Kara knows that she you know can't get hurt by whatever weird snake creatures uh unless they i guess get thrown out at her and wrapped around her uh also how many of those weird snake slash snail creep like whatever whatever weird menagerie creatures those were however many did she have because she was just throwing them out i guess she can she can put out as many as she needs to i guess it's like uh like ammunition or something i don't know see this is why i wish i had more time with understanding the symbiote or whatever they call that. Exactly. I just I just wanted a little bit more detail about that because i was like what she can throw she can throw snakes too it was very confusing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the te- I thought the tension was like, I thought the tension was a little bit more well played this episode than it was in like the previous episode because I think it was more hooked to Kara and Alex's dynamic and their like their bond as sisters. Like Alex was being overprotective because um, because she thought Kara could get hurt. But I also thought it brought up a lot of interesting points about the mind wipe, which is that like suddenly Alex is like, why aren't I looking at child pet finder anymore? <laughs> and like, and like, why aren't I dating? And like, it's all these questions that we were asking earlier in the season. Like if 
Alex was so bent on like adopting a child and like, you know, focusing more on her personal life. Why isn't she dating anyone? Why isn't she like, just like, why is like swipe a, a couple times on Tinder or something? She's not like doing any adoption stuff whatsoever. And I feel like they waited way too late in the season to sort of frame that out and give that an excuse for that. Like, it just felt like an afterthought at this point. Like, they used the mind wipe to kind of frame that, like, oh, well, she was so busy with Kara and now, uh, or Supergirl, and now that she doesn't know about the Supergirl stuff, that stuff is starting to come back to the fore of her mind, like, well, why did I put it off? But we were never told earlier in the season that she was actively pursuing it, and she did put it off. In fact, even in the dialogue of the episode, they were like, oh, Alex was doing so good with dating in the summertime. Oh, you mean between seasons? (laughs) When we couldn't see it? (laughs) Yeah, I... I thought that that was kind of an excuse by the show to justify why they had not addressed that in the first half of the season. And that was a little frustrating because it took them, uh, you know, until the 12th episode to finally mention the adoption business. And they mentioned it multiple times. I was like, okay, you're making up for lost time here. You've (laughs) you've talked about this like four times, three or four times. Um, And I thought it was uh, it was kind of unfair. Fair, I thought to Kara because I felt really bad for Kara because she now thinks because of this mind wipe and how the mind wipe is is freeing Alex because Alex doesn't have that because I, I guess this the secret identity is a little bit of a burden for Alex in some ways because she has that the weight of the knowledge that Kara is Supergirl that that's something on her that she has to maintain she has to maintain that secret as well so there's a little bit of burden there but uh, so now that she doesn't have that information, she's freer to go and pursue things that she wants to do in her life. And I, I thought that was a little unfair to Kara because, I mean, Alex could still do that. I, I almost think it's the opposite. If she knew that Kara was Supergirl, wouldn't that make her more okay with Kara going out and being in dangerous situations. Yeah, that's what I would. Well, I don't know. I would also think, like, if she knows that Supergirl is like somebody that she can rely on and trust to get stuff done because it's her sister who she, you know, trusts and, and relies on. You would think that she would be less stressed about, like, a little bit less stressed about her job and having to do it all. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, that didn't that didn't quite ring true to me. Yeah, I, I just I felt really bad for Carr this whole episode because uh, and Melissa Benoist did such a good job to really put those emotions forward for the character that she was missing Alex, that she, you know, she wants to be out there fighting bad guys and and, and fighting crime with her sister because that's something that sh- they've shared for such a long time. And she misses being a part of that. She misses going out there and doing that with her big sister. And I, I thought that was really sweet and um, very sad at the same time. And then on top of that, she feels guilty that she's holding Alex back from pursuing the things that she wants to go about, like dating and adopting a child and all of that. And I just, I was like, ah, Kara, this is, this is not, none of this is your fault. I just, I felt so bad for her um, because I, I think she's, 
almost justifying the the mind wipe is oh the mind wipe this is actually a good thing for alex yeah and what made me laugh a little bit too is that like while car you're right car is like taking it all on herself and like you know because of my supergirl identity and because alex knew all this she's like been putting stuff off but in this episode Alex is kind of a nightmare to like that one girl who's like clearly interested in her. <laughs> and at every point she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to, I'm just going to leave if that's cool with you. And she's like, no, fine. Walk out on me. Like you never called me back. <laughs> like I don't how how Cara, the real miracle is how Cara got that girl's number because I would have been like, lose my number are you kidding me (laughs) (laughs) alex was a monster in this episode so clearly you can't just like blame it on Kara because at this point she doesn't know that Kara is supergirl and she's still just wandering out of her own dates yeah and Kara did come through for her at the end with the digits so uh you know that's that she did her job as a wing woman so i i did think that that was really unfortunate but to Alex's credit, she did say, I'm going to take this number and I'm going to call her. So uh, she may not have had time for all of that at the party, <laughs> but maybe she'll she'll make up for it uh, later on. So, yeah, I just I, I think that Carr feels really guilty about the the effect that Supergirl has had on Alex. And I think Alex would probably disagree with her. I feel like Alex, if she had her memories, would push back on that. Uh, a little bit. So I I think the as much as I don't like the mind wipe, I do think some of the consequences of this are starting to get a little more interesting now because it's it's pushing the characters a little bit. Both both Alex, you know, Alex has some new stuff going on because of it. And Kara has some new stuff going on. Um, I just hate it that Kara She's she's missing out on things that she got to share with her sister because sharing Supergirl with her sister is such a big deal because she can't share that with everybody else. So it was just it was just uh, it was sad for me for a a good portion of the episode because she she had to hide all of that. Yeah, that was really sad. I I do. I do like some of the, the ways that they're using the mind wipe to like dive into different aspects of their like the sisters relationship and and also both of their characters and how they are like interacting without the supergirl aspect of their characters because we're just seeing sort of the sister bond without the sort of crime fighting aspect of it and i like this episode that Kara was kept trying to get back to like well you know we can be partners even if she doesn't know i'm supergirl and by the end of the episode she kind of it's really sad that she kind of gives that up and she's kind of she kind of realizes you know alex isn't going to be comfortable with me being out in the field as just car danvers girl reporter because you know obviously uh (laughs) and so that's that's too much pressure to put on her and i saw the look in her face when she thought i got hurt and I don't want to like cause her that kind of like stress and pain. Uh, but I, it was so sad because obviously she loves working with her sister. And that's all they've done since the show has started. So she's kind of having to give up this this aspect of their their relationship that she's always really enjoyed and like come to rely on. Yeah, she said something to the effect of, I'll still have my sister, but I have to, you know, uh, let that part of it go. And yeah, it's just it it stinks. I'm sure that they will reverse it at some point and everything will be fine, <laughs> making all of this completely worthless uh, and a waste of our time. 
But <laughs> I, I, I think that some of the emotional beats that they are hitting at this point are at least they're at least making me feel things. So I will yeah. give I will give the show credit for that. Uh, and since we talked a little bit about the party that they went to, the the hip happening Valentine's Day party uh, <laughs> that was going on at, at Nia and Yvette's place. Uh, so what what did you think about uh, Nia? What Nia was going through in this episode and her uh, debut as Dreamer? My one consistent thing about this season so far is that I love the Nia stuff. I think they're doing such a good job with it. They're it's not it doesn't feel like it's like pushed anywhere into like the story it feels like it's really happening organically and just growing into like this character is growing into her role and so I liked that like in this episode she was pretty bummed her mom did just die yeah and so like when when Brainy comes over to have a their not date training session <laughs> uh she's I, I like the way that she can just sort of like tell him her feelings and be like, listen, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to embrace these powers, but like right now I'm pretty screwed up because my mom just died and my sister is really mad at me. So like, I just need a little time like to heal. Uh, and I thought it was nice because, you know, in these CW shows, a lot of times we get the people who like are feeling things, but they they can't tell anybody about it. <laughs> and then, and then there's misunderstandings because if they had only said this thing, you know, and it's like, kind of exhausting sometimes <laughs> so just having a character who's like listen it's like not that i'm like never going to want to be part of the superhero family it's just that like right now i'm like bummed and i need some time to be bummed i thought that was so refreshing <laughs> i really liked it and she, and later on she talks to Kara about it about her sister and uh and i think and i really like that dynamic too where Kara could really open up to her about the mind wipe with alex and and her relationship with her sister and i think that having Nia around while it doesn't give Kara any mentorship opportunities because you know how she doesn't show up to work ever. <laughs> it does give her like a sounding board or a person that she can kind of talk to about having similar issues. Kara was at Catco for like one scene, I think in this episode with John and she, she says, she says, uh, she, well, I think he says something to her like, this looks like an actual newsroom. And it made me laugh. I, oh, I laughed so hard because I was like, I wanted Car to be like, does it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she did. She did. Uh, to be fair, she did go to work at least for a little bit. We didn't see her working. She was just there. Uh, so uh, there's that part of the uh, reporter stuff at Catco. But I, I agree that I really liked the scene between Kara and Nia and how they are both relating to each other about their sister dynamics and what's going on with each other and encouraging each other. I did think it was a little strange, though, that Kara was like, yeah, my, you know, my sister's been mind wiped. And, and Nia kind of was like, cool. Cool, cool. You know, like, it <laughs> wasn't like a big deal. Nia, Nia, the amount of things that Nia just rolls with is pretty funny. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. A mind wipe makes sense. That happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a normal, uh, everyday thing that all, all, all people go through. <laughs> Nia goes, interesting, no follow-up questions. <laughs> <laughs> Nia, the reporter, has no follow-up questions. These are the these are the least the least inquisitive reporters. <laughs> I would have so many questions. How did she get mind wiped? Why? 
uh, what's the extent of it. But um, but those are our questions. We've asked more questions. Well, those are our very our very long list of questions. Nia, however, is the perfect Supergirl viewer because she's just like <laughs> sounds cool. Let's go with it. <laughs> um, so I would agree with you though that the Nia stuff has been really good this season. Uh, so I, I'm I'm actually surprised that. They've uh, been able to do such a good job with a new character like this and uh, and make, for me personally, care about what Nia's going through and um, see her to this step where she's becoming a superhero and doing all of these things. The only thing that I kind of uh, personally not have issues with, but uh, so for me, I kind of wish they were playing up the brainy Supergirl dynamic a little more. <laughs> And so the this this episode showed a lot of Nia and Brainy kind of will they won't they kind of situation, which was admittedly kind of cute, but uh, it's it's kind of I don't know. Part of me is like I really wish Brainy and Supergirl got to know each other more. Maybe not even as love interests, but like as friends. And so uh, I'm I'm kind of frustrated because I see more of that happening with Brainy and Nia. But to the show's credit. Uh, they've done a good job doing a, a slow build with Brainy and Nia and playing that banter up and, and their interaction. It does seem a little bit more like it's more of a training relationship at this point, but they could they could go with a, a romance if, if they chose to get there, and I would buy into it because they've done all the, the setup beforehand. There was a moment that I really laughed in the episode where he, like, first comes over her apartment and just throws all of her Valentine's Day decorations off the table. (laughs) And she like watches them all fly around and just cracks up. And I just like, I thought that was such a nice little moment for the two of them. Like she, I think that I like that she understands that he's kind of an odd duck and doesn't really understand social cues. And she just really rolls with it in a way that I think is pretty funny. Um, I, I, does does Brainy have any like connection to I know Nia is like her own character but she's has a she's based on a character from the future right yeah so she um is Nia is the ancestor of Dream Girl Dream Girl will be uh, in the future and so Dream Girl and Brainy do have uh, a relationship uh, and a love interest kind of a way in the comics. So they are, I think they are, you know, pulling from source material for the Nia Brainy dynamic. Um, I can't so decide I can if that it. makes it weirder for me. <laughs> it is. It can be a little weird if, because I don't think they've ever. He's like, he's like girl, you're like your great, great granddaughter. <laughs> what? And, <laughs> I don't think they've ever established that Brainy had a thing with Dream Girl from the future on the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I don't think that they have. In the comics, they definitely have, but I don't think they've ever said it explicitly on the show that Brainy was in a relationship with Dream Girl from the future. So it could make it a little weird, <laughs> but so far they haven't made it weird uh, as of yet. Um, so as as of right now, it's 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 been good. Um, so since we got to see uh, Nia go out as Dreamer for the first time in superhero costume with a mask and all of uh, those things, what did you think about the costume? I really like the costume. I don't know that I love the mask 
I don't know why. I, I have nothing to back that up. It just feels <laughs> it just feels like a little bit not like Supergirl. I don't know how to explain that. Like it just feels like a little bit like this maybe she would be a character on a different show with the mask on <laughs> arrow <clears throat> yeah like yeah it's a little arrowish i think that is maybe my my issue i think she looks great in the costume and i think the costume's really cool but it does feel a little bit like um like it's a little bit more of like a street level kind of hero costume um but I don't know. I guess the mask also has a little bit of a rainy feeling to me. Oh, yeah, uh, I could see that. Yeah. So maybe I'm also like, oh, you kind of remind me of a, a little bit like a villain now. Um, but uh, I mean, Rain's mask was pretty cool last season. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to be like, hey, what if I just took from the coolest villain? Like, <laughs> you're going to go rain mask. Uh, but otherwise, I really liked it. I liked the like the colors and the belt and everything i think it's a pretty it's a pretty sleek looking costume yeah i like the the costume a lot and i would agree with you that the the mask does give it a, an arrow vibe and on arrow it 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 makes sense for some of the characters who have the mask like oliver queen is a known celebrity in star city he's very wealthy he's been in the news a lot so it makes sense for him to have some kind of mask even Laurel Lance, when she was Black Canary, uh, she had a mask, and that sort of made sense as well because she was a high-profile lawyer, a district attorney, whatever. I can't remember what at this point. I think Black Siren took took you know read a a law uh, a law book, and she became district attorney. So uh, <laughs> you know, so listen, they have they have pretty low standards. Uh, on that show just because isn't Oliver Queen mayor or was mayor at some point? He was elected mayor. He was also uh, uh, an owner of a bar slash nightclub. They've done a lot of things there. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, So it makes sense on Arrow for those characters to have masks because people would recognize them. But for Nia, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that she necessarily needs one because is anybody going to be like, oh, that's that reporter from CatCo? I, I don't know. But I yeah, I don't I don't know what else they would do. I guess it sort of makes sense that she would have a mask to hide who she is. But I don't know. But it looks good. Her costume looks good. They did a good job with it. And uh, it was it was cool to see her finally uh, put on the, the superhero costume and help Supergirl out. And I really, I think what they've been doing with her powers has been really consistent and very, uh, very cool in the way they present it, where she's dreaming and she has these visions, these precognitive uh, visions that she sees. I think all of that is really awesome. And the way they've been doing that it has been uh, consistently sticking to how they've explained her abilities. And I really appreciate that because I know what's happening when it happens. So I, I, I like the way they've been doing that. <laughs> I understand what's going on is a, is a, like one of the things that I judge things on now. Like, oh, I think I know what's happening. Well, it is a little rare these days on Supergirl <laughs> to understand yeah. the rules and the setup and uh, just being able to follow a story is uh, is necessary for the show. Uh, so it is nice when it's consistent and makes sense. 
Uh, speaking of, uh, I guess, consistency, uh, we've, <laughs> we've had a little break in the consistency with another relationship, if that makes any sense. Uh, so Lena and James, we're going to uh, take a spontaneous trip to Paris, celebrate Valentine's Day. And then uh, Lena had a proposition from the government, and uh, things went a little south for them. So what did you think about uh, their, I guess, second breakup of the season? <laughs> did they, Oh, God, that's true. They did break up before. I remembered it because it was very memorable. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, it was another holiday, too. They broke up on Thanksgiving, and now they've broken up on Valentine's Day. Listen, holidays aren't great for them. They should know this by now and they should like plan accordingly. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I, I felt so little when they broke up. Um, I, I, I don't think I've been shy about the fact that they're, they're not my favorite couple. I just feel like there's kind of like a lack of chemistry there. It's just, I, I they, they got put together too quickly, I think, is the thing. And then they were together for a while, but like... I, the buildup is part of the fun of watching these relationships. And we got very little of that buildup with Lena and James. Um, I think this breakup made some sense, but like was also sh really strange. Like the way that Lena was very desperate to go to Paris all of a sudden felt really strange. Like it, it she was desperate to go to Paris. I feel like even before she got that, the phone call from the government, wasn't she? Well, Lena and James seem to both want to have their relationship outside of the real world and dealing with things that are going on in their lives because they talk about being at a lake house together. And he says and they, they want to go to Paris together and be away from National City. And James even says um, when he presents that actually really nice photo of her, I was like, wow, James. You've still got you still got some skills. Oh my god, he takes photos? What? He has a camera that works? Good for him. My read on that was just how incredibly creepy it was because it was a beautiful photo of her sleeping. So, I mean, like, there is that the, the mental image of me that I had of him with the camera like inches from her face <laughs> as she slept just taking pictures like just there you're I mean, at some point you're you're riding a romantic serial killer line, and like that's not where you want to be. <laughs> Even if he wasn't right up near her face, and he was using like a telephoto like a lens, like a zoom lens, that <laughs> might be even worse. Maybe worse. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, for me, when I saw that picture, I was like, "Oh, it's good composition, good lighting." <laughs> It's a very pretty, pretty image. Uh, so I was judging it based on artistic uh, merits. I didn't really think about the creepiness factor of it. And then also I was just thinking, what do you do with that once you're given it? Like, you're just going to hang up a picture of yourself sleeping? Where are you putting that in your house? I mean, yeah, that I would think that would be more <laughs> so fitting to put in James's desk bed. Yeah, yeah, you put that, you hang that under the desk. <laughs> maybe, maybe not in Lena's place, but maybe under the desk. That would work. I'm just imagining being like a visitor to Lena's home and like you go in her bathroom and you're like, weird. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, it feels like something she would do, though, which is, I think, the funny part. Like, <laughs> that she would just have, like, some photos of her and just, like, randomly casual but beautiful settings. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, the picture was, was a... a uh, a visual metaphor, I guess, of the fact that they run away from things to be together. And he says, you know, about that picture, he says, this is how I see you when we're away from everything else, when it's just you and I. And it bugged me that he used you and I, because I think it, the correct grammar is you and me. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that, you know, the, I guess, editor-in-chief of CatCo should know the correct grammar of that. But I'm going to gloss over it and uh, go past it. Uh, but I think the the dynamic of Lena and James is that they they probably always knew there was something wrong with their relationship, but they tried to just push that aside and run away from things to make those things that they knew were bad for each other go away. And I think at this point when Lena decided to open up like, hey, the government wants my research, at, at that point there was a line that was drawn and I think their their dynamic always was going to come down to the morally gray stuff that James was not going to put up with, but that Lena was going to pursue. So I'm actually glad that even if they broke up, uh, which I was, I mean, I've kind of warmed up to them, to be honest. Uh, but I, I see your point about how they didn't really develop them, because that is true. But uh, I think it was always going to come down to them not agreeing on some of the ethics of what she was doing. So if they were going to break up, I think this is a good way to do it. Yeah, I I agree. I, I felt like Lena's turn to like, I'm giving, I'm going to work with the government with my technology was a little bit underdeveloped. Like, I feel like that could have been more of an episode or more of a, I mean, maybe an arc or something like one or two episodes for her to think about it and decide. It's like she was thinking she was on the fence and then she like watched the news and she was like, well, <laughs> it, it, it felt a little bit. I mean, I know that she's been creeping sort of in that direction all season with her research and things like that. So I'm not going to like hit the show too hard for it, but I just felt like it was a little bit like a little bit sudden that she was, she was very conflicted. And then she was like, no, I think I'm going to do this. Unless it was like, she was like, I think I'm going to do this. And as soon as she said it to James and he was like, well, I don't agree with that. She was like, no, I was on the fence, but now I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm definitely going to do this, which can happen. There, I think there was part of that there. And I I do agree that it, it did seem like maybe there should have been a little bit more pushback because she did seem to be very... Uh, big on keeping that research for herself and, you know, having that control over it. So for her to sell out to the government like that did seem a little strange. And if it was me, this is just me because I love France, I maybe would have told James about that after our trip to Paris. Yeah, I mean, I feel... <laughs> Go and enjoy yeah. Paris and then deal with it. Enjoy Paris and then just be like, oh, by the by. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, it just felt... It, well, my other favorite thing is when she tells him, if you don't like it, you can just get out and they're in a moving vehicle. <laughs> that was that was maybe my that is a boss move to end all boss moves. She was basically like, fine, 
drop and roll out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, if honestly, this episode to me would have taken it to a new level if James was like, okay, open the door and just rolled out. <laughs> like that, to me, that's how you win an argument. Well, they were in a Rolls Royce. So that would have been fitting. That's how you, you always, you're going to win any argument by tucking and rolling out of a car. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't try it at home, but I'm just saying. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess they're officially finished. I don't know. Cause I thought they broke up at Thanksgiving and then they got back together and now they're broken up again. But I guess it. I guess it's. This is it. Yeah, th- this felt pretty final until they get back together again. But this, <laughs> this felt pretty final for the two of them. Uh, it didn't feel like they were gonna come back from this this philosophical difference of theirs. It did feel like there was there could have been like a gray area, which you know is is where Lena does her best work. Uh, <laughs> With them just being like, agree to disagree. <laughs> like, like, I don't agree with, I felt, and you know what, for once I was kind of on James's side, because I feel like that's what he was saying. Like, listen, I'm never going to agree with you giving your research over to the government, but like, it is kind of your life, you know? <laughs> he wasn't, it didn't feel like he was like, listen, this is a, this is the breaking point for me. And I'm like, he was, he was sort of saying like, I'm just telling you straight up, I don't agree with this. Like, I don't agree with this decision. She was like, well, fine, then you can get out of, you can jump out of this car. (laughs) (laughs) It escalated quickly is what I'm saying. It did. It escalated very quickly. Um, And I guess the the last thing we should talk about when we talk about Lena in this episode is uh, she had a uh, very noticeable red dress on for Valentine's Day. Uh, Do you have any thoughts? And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? I have a lot of thoughts. It was a great look, surprisingly office appropriate, uh, which made me feel uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> I expect I expect way more shoulders. Um, at, at least, if she's at the office, I want to see some clavicle, maybe a little back. I mean, everything was covered up. She looked like she could like run a board meeting, and I was like. Are you okay? This is how, this is the first time you should know that she shook a little bit to this episode. (laughs) That she is in an appropriate outfit for her setting. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, and I think it's fitting for her character and what she's going through in this episode because she is a little bit more vulnerable. That she is in this emotional place with James. So it makes sense that she is not uh, making a, a power clothing move here. That's true. And later later in the episode, when they during the breakup, she is in one of her power furs. So <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder if that was that Cruella DeVille. I think it was. I mean, it's, it's possible that Lena has never um, repeated an outfit once in her entire <laughs> life. That feels also factually correct to me, but <laughs> it is also possible that was like her Corella DeVille coat that she pulled back out. She's like, listen, I've got some business to take care of. He's either in or he's out and I'm, I'm bringing my whole look. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, the Corella DeVille uh, fur did sort of eat her face a little bit. So, 
it may not have been that exact coat. It might have just That's been true. a different power fur. She she loves that look though. She's feeling that look. <laughs> <laughs> that that felt more to me like a like classic Lena Luther. She's she's going to Paris. It doesn't seem like it's that cold because he's not all that bundled up, <laughs> and yet she has got on some sort of giant fur like. <laughs> That's 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 your breakup fur. That's what you get out when you know things are gonna go south. Yeah. So uh, I really loved Lena's attire in this episode. Really, uh, the the red dress for me stood out because Lena's office, and I've never really noticed this until I focused in on the red dress, is that her office at L Corp is very just uh, almost mono. Chromatic, I guess yeah, the word. Very, very... You know what is it, it? Much like Lena herself, it's very gray. Mmm, mm, I like that. Very character correct. <laughs> so the red dress definitely stood out in that environment, and also it like it matched her her lipstick so well. Like Lena just knows what she's doing is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. So, Morgan, what are your overall thoughts about uh, this season four episode titled Menagerie? You know, I liked Menagerie, and I just realized that we left so many um, storylines in this episode uh, undiscussed. Like, we completely skipped over the uh, Children of Liberty stuff. Oh, yeah. And I feel 100% comfortable with that because I did not like any of that. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I focused on I focused on what sparks joy for me, like Marie Kondo, and I let the rest of it go. I was like, goodbye, Children of Liberty. Well, there there was the fact that Ben Lockwood is now being released because the Children of Liberty helped save the day, which, I mean, they did. I mean, George did cut off one of the snake's heads, which I don't know that it actually solved the problem because I've think the snake is still somewhere in Pamela's neck in prison. My other favorite thing was they were like, we're not going to put this person in a, you know, in a special alien prison. We're going to put her in regular prison. I'm sure she's cool now. Yeah, that that, that felt like no a sense. smart, <laughs> intelligent decision. <laughs> yeah, if if her DNA has merged with an alien snake, I think you need to put that uh, that person in a special uh, detainment cell because that is that's that's not a normal thing. Like maybe just do a couple scans first before you throw her in Gen Pop is what I'm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and did so did Agent Liberty get out of jail because of some weird loophole about their like it being only applies things only applying to humans and not to aliens yes because that seems like a weird precedent to set it's like well i guess it's the purge for aliens now because no laws protect (laughs) them like what murder is still murder dudes yeah (laughs) that made me raise several eyebrows like additional eyebrows than the eyebrows i have (laughs) it was an excuse to in the story get agent liberty out of prison but I would agree that if you set that precedent that it's not terrorism to go after an alien, then people are just going to do that all the time. So I don't fully understand that. Uh, so it was very strange. But 
I guess the president uh, just pulled some pulled some tricks out of a hat with that Patriot Act uh, stuff. And that's why Ben Lockwood is out now. Um, I did think it was a little disturbing that his son was doing some of the stuff he was doing because he's he's a kid. He's a he's a young kid. Um, he he was brave going up against Pamela. I will give him that because as a kid, he he uh, he stepped up and took care of business. Um, and he did help Supergirl, so there was that. Um, but now the Children of Liberty have uh, a little uh, a bonus to their reputation. They, they've gotten a little... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? They have... They have, um, they have some, like, clout now. They do. They have some clout in that they've helped save the day. They've helped protect hum- humanity. So it does give a little more... Um, nuance to to showing the Children of Liberty. The one thing that stuck out to me with the Children of Liberty in this episode was that they had matching sweatshirts. <laughs> what do you think their What do you think their merch budget is? <laughs> well, I I'm now wondering if they've set up a T Public store. I think that's their next. Uh, that's, yeah, the goal. that's going to be how they fundraise. <laughs> They're like, listen, we desperately need more baseball bats. Uh, a, a snake ate all of ours. So that was the part that made me laugh the most is like you have these trained. They go into this apartment where all these trained agents are like on the floor with their guns like dead and they're like don't worry we have uh we have several baseball bats and a dream (laughs) (laughs) what do you think you're doing i mean the machete thing made more sense the machete thing the baseball bats it was actually useful the rest of it was insane (laughs) (laughs) it was not going to cut it if alex's alien guns are not doing anything your baseball bats are going to be very ineffective. And we have Alex at the end of the episode kind of saying, like, even though they're getting credit for it, they were actually a huge hindrance. We had to spend so much time making sure that, like, <laughs> the snake didn't eat their them and their baseball bats. <laughs> that we actually weren't, like, that effective in this fight, which, like, makes sense. You see, like, Alex starts the fight and then she, like, disappears because she's probably just trying to save all these dum-dums from, <laughs> from the snakes. They were... Uh a little overly ambitious uh thinking that they could go out there and uh, do uh do any kind of uh productive uh saving the day uh but they do get they do get recognition for it there at the end uh, i mean it really just the sweatshirts are what what i took from this episode the sweatshirts are the maybe the most important part did they have like a logo on them they did it was a some kind of star uh, like a gold star, like a sheriff's badge. They're like deputizing themselves. I'm, I'm not really sure. It was some kind of gold star. Where, uh, yeah, I'm, that's all I can make out of it. But it was very prominent, and they, uh, they all were matching. They're like, listen, we just got the discount code, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they all wore their uh, required costume slash uniform so they showed up for their job and they uh looked the part so good for them i guess uh so yeah i i thought this was a a decent episode considering that uh i'm still not crazy about the mind wipe but they made me care about the consequences of the mind wipe um i thought the nia stuff was really good um i thought Kara had some really good moments which i was glad to see because sometimes i feel like she doesn't get as much as she should um, and uh, Menagerie was uh, uh, 
an unexpected uh, hit for me, even though I didn't fully understand her snake partner. Uh, I thought uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. And it seems like we will get to see more of her because she got a little letter from Manchester Black. So we will see how that develops. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Menagerie. Our first tweet is from at Madtown Davison. Uh, Menagerie made for a fun villain and challenge for Supergirl, but I can't even make up a reason to care about Agent Liberty Jr. I'm sorry for being so negative, but the Alex Mindwipe stuff has broken the show. I just don't understand it. I just feel heartbroken. There have always been goofy storylines, but the relationship between Alex and Kara has always been the heart of the show. Why would the writers do this? Uh, the only thing that I can think of is as to why they would have wanted to do this is that I think sometimes writers... A look at the show and they say, well, we don't have anything to shake up Car and Alex because Car and Alex are so steady on the show and they're so uh, reliable as characters. We need to shake things up. I think they think that things need to be shaken up. We as viewers are like, no, we're, we're cool. We're, we're good with this. But I think from a writer's standpoint, they wanted to do something to shake things up. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, at Chris Fundalinski said, still not liking the Alex mind wipe. Nope, not at all. Not one bit. Okay, <laughs> next subject. That ballroom red dress. I couldn't help laughing and wondering what comments you ladies would make for that one. And then like a laughing crying emoji. <laughs> See, I saw that as pretty being fairly respectable for the office. Although now that I'm looking at it, kind of long. Kind of <laughs> a little longer than I, I expected. It, but it, you know what? For Lena, if it's not floor length and she's not, she doesn't have like gloves, I'm I'm thinking it's like demure. <laughs> Um, at Kenny Crowley said good episode of Supergirl not as great as past episodes but I give it an 8 out of 10 um, at nerd name Jen said I seriously don't understand Lena in this week's episode she wanted to help humans be better she went back on her word how quickly we forget who we are when government money shows up and I just don't understand the logistics behind Agent Liberty's release so it's not just me. <laughs> um, at Mark HBPWM said, did that timeline at the beginning make sense? I didn't think Alex took over the DEO until after President Marsden was exposed. And we certainly haven't seen her date or work on her adoption resume. Plus, John's old school office is in the same Boston building as Maxwell Lord's. Yeah, I don't know about the timeline, but I think it's like you, you mentioned that th I think all this stuff with Alex was happening over over the summer it's happening in off screensville yeah <laughs> um at sl fricky said so kidnapping james and coercing him into blowing up a building doesn't count as an act of domestic terrorism <laughs> uh also those alien murders don't count as well murder <laughs> uh if there's an alien amnesty act it surely gives aliens considerations as victims of crime right Right? <laughs> also, disappointed that didn't turn out to be Lena's limo that Menagerie got dropped on for some reason. <laughs> that is my favorite. I mean, I agree with 100% of that comment, but the, the end was, was really great. <laughs> um, at C. Rose B said, Lena was glued to that phone. Talking to Lex? Ah, uh, I think... I, I assume that she was talking to Haley. Yeah, I think it's the, the government still. Uh, at VH451 said, um, what 
is happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Agent Liberty is back. Now we have the Elite, and Red Daughter is still yet to appear. This season feels like it's heading towards a go- Godzilla destroy all monsters <laughs> style super mashup. Isn't this why we have the annual crossover? It does feel a so lot like there, there's there's a lot of storylines. So much is <laughs> There's a lot going on, and it's it's a lot to keep up with. But uh, maybe they'll they maybe they have a plan to tie it all back in the end. Uh, let's hope. <laughs> uh, H- Hattie Mello twenty said. So Alex spent all her summer dating a lot, and as soon as the season started, she just stopped. Nice one show. I thought last season was bad, but it seems pretty good now if compared with this one. At least Lames is finally over. Oh, I forgot that that was their shipper name. That's (laughs) not a good sign. Uh, But I don't want to see Lena turn evil. Hashtag good Luther. Uh, It may be coming, though. I hate to disappoint some people. I know. (laughs) Uh, At Hegel Blass said, my prediction about Alex getting her memory back was clearly wrong. I still think John will undo the mind wipe later this season, but the sooner the better. This is not something they should drag out too long. Um, At Corey Alina, uh, or Corey Alina said, overall, it was a great episode. And it feels like a lot of different plot points are starting to tie together, which is really exciting. Plus, seeing Nia Nall finally suit up as Dreamer was an absolutely amazing moment that it feels like I've been waiting forever for. And then, like, a smiley face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our last tweet comes from uh, at Electra WWF. After seeing Kara and John figure out this week's baddie with an assist from Brainy, who can apparently analyze chemicals while hiding in a closet, mm-hmm. uh, I'm ready for our heroes to leave the clandestine government agency stuff behind and let the DEO be the bad guys for season five instead. That would be the perfect opportunity to bring in Director Bones. Director Bones! Actually, I would, I would be completely fine with that, too. I kind of like the like ragtag group of heroes um vibe that they had this episode and i feel like a lot of some of the deo stuff doesn't always make sense to me so if they were kind of like a gray area seat like government agency that like supergirl and alex and stuff were not working with but they were like hey i'm mad at you i think that that would I think that could be a fun story angle. Also, again, Director Bones. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they could move away from that in the future if they wanted to. I, I definitely liked the Kara and Jean stuff, them trying to come up with information on their own. But it it did seem like they struggled to figure out. Because at the DEO, they can get all the information uh, at the drop of a hat. They, they don't struggle to to get information. But... With Jean and Kara, it seems like it's more of an effort for them to get uh, names and addresses and phone numbers and locations because they don't have all that technology. So that, I think, would serve as a problem if they were going to move away from that. So uh, That's I, true. I can see the pros and cons to, to, to staying or leaving the DEO, but I like the idea of bad guys at the DEO. That could be you could do that. Um, well, we have an email from Susan who writes, quote, even though I have been enjoying seeing the new Akara Alex dynamic, it will soon be time for it to end. Would love to hear your views on how you think it will happen. 
Or if you want to fantasize, how would you like to see it happen? Some ideas to consider. Uh, and these are some of Susan's suggestions. Uh, Alex starts to see the resemblance between Car and Supergirl and figures it out. Colonel Haley orders Alex to capture or kill Supergirl, and she just can't do it, awakening her subconscious in some way. Colonel Haley goes away, and Jean can reverse it. Alex continues to feel off like something is wrong. Jean's guilt takes over, so he tells her what he did. Uh, there's one that says Supergirl is in danger, and Jean has to come clean with Alex so they can help her. And the last one, Susan suggests, the last one Susan suggests is Alex does something to sacrifice herself to save Kara, like jumping in front of a guy with a gun because she doesn't know how Kara is bulletproof, and Kara decides the charade uh, has to end. Um, I don't know. I think for me, I if it was my show. I would have it coming down to like an evil twin scenario where you have uh, our Kara and you have Red Daughter Kara and our Kara has to prove to Alex who she is. And maybe she does that while she is Supergirl. That's how I would Ooh. do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have a plan, but I'm stealing Rebecca's because that's really good. <laughs> so, that's that's what I would do. Uh, but I think all of those suggestions are possible. Uh, so that is going to be something we'll we'll have to see how they kind of have Alex have. A, I, I assume Alex will have some kind of awakening moment where she, where, where she will remember things. Uh, we have an email from Kevin who writes, I'm interested to see how Brainy is going to train Nia. Just fighting skills? She doesn't have his intellect to do all those calculations we've seen him do. She doesn't have a flight ring, and I don't think she's capable of sticking to a ceiling like Spider-Man. Where did that come from, by the way? <laughs> uh, or is or is it that he's going to just help her with a dream interpretation like he was suggesting at the beginning of the episode? Yeah, I was not expecting Brainy to stick to the ceiling like that, but he is part robot, so I guess he could do that. Uh, but yeah, it seemed like he was mostly going to just be helping Nia with her dream interpretation. So, but she she could use some fighting skills. I don't know that she's going to be able to take out all aliens with a pipe. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is her go-to, but... <laughs> she might need some help. Uh, well, we have an email from Danae who writes, quote, The first time we see James taking a picture in three years, and then a few hours later, he gets dumped. <laughs> Poor James. Wasn't the last time he took a picture the picture he took of Kara, and then he kissed... Uh, and then they kissed at the end of season one, and then a day later in Supergirl time, Kara dumped him at the start of season two. I am sensing a pattern. Oh, also, no. the idea of him taking a picture while she is sleeping is a little bit creepy to me. And where was she supposed to hang the photo? In her <laughs> L Corp office? Janae and I are of one mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it seems like I'm having more feelings about that single picture than their entire breakup, that might be true. Although I found it interesting when J uh, Lena said it was long overdue. Has she been thinking about breaking up with James for a while now? Or did she expect him to stop supporting her? Unquote. Good questions. Uh, Lena did seem like she maybe thought this was going to end, like like it maybe happened. Yeah, it did feel like she kind of thought it was inevitable that they were not going to work out. Um, we have an email from Fanny who writes, 
Kara seems stronger than Supergirl this season. Of course, they are the same person, but Kara has been using her wits and many of her powers to help others or get out of dangerous situations. For example, the super sneeze and using her x-ray vision to get a better idea of a situation come to mind. Plus, she's doing all that while trying to hide her true identity. It seems that when she puts her cape on, she forgets how powerful she can be. Maybe she's the one who has been mind-wiped. <laughs> she knows she's Supergirl, but the rest is a blank. <laughs> I really enjoyed her slick, oh, this uh, door is open. <laughs> that was really great. I, I, I enjoyed that. So I, I do I do like those mundane uses of her power that they've been uh, able to do lately. Yeah. And, you know, I think last season, Kara was Supergirl so often that we felt like we kind of lost Kara Danvers in the, the show. So I don't necessarily mind seeing her, more Kara stuff this season yeah it, it, it's been nice to see Kara, especially to maybe trying to do some reporting she's still not writing any stories she's still not actually <laughs> she's still, doing she's still not job. working yeah, but. but there's the 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 premise that she's supposed to be doing it uh so i have been enjoying seeing more of Kara uh this season that is a good point well, we have an email from Alex who writes, uh, talking about Alex on the show, uh, quote, Alex still identifies herself as an FBI agent. I assume that means the DEO is still a secret organization, which I don't understand. You would think that after the annual alien invasions that have <laughs> happened every May for the last three years, and the fact that the public pretty much knows aliens are literally everywhere, people would want the government to have an organization that handles aliens that are up to no good, unquote. Yeah, I think that would take a lot of the uh, issues from the show if everyone in the country uh, or even the world knew that the DEO existed and that they were to they were there to protect people from bad aliens that would solve a lot of problems I think with uh, the chick at the party Becca I think that uh, Alex still tells people that she's an FBI agent just because she can't tell people about the DEO so I assume that she hasn't known that woman for a very long time. So maybe that's what she tells people when they first meet, um, which I totally get. Uh, maybe you can't lead with, I work for a secret government, you know, shady government organization. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the FBI is a little more acceptable, I guess, when you meet someone. Uh, so that that's what I assume that she just, that's what she tells people when they first meet. Abby writes, I really like this episode, despite the fact I thought it was weird for kids to step up as the leaders for Agent Liberty's movement and how they thought they could defeat the alien when trained agents couldn't. But the main cast acting really made this episode. I felt so many emotions between the moments of comedy and heartbreak. Yeah, when the storylines don't make sense, at least the actors do a good job. Thank God we have good actors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, new Rachel writes in with a Legends-esque question corner for us, asking, quote, who on the who of the main cast for this season do you think most needs uh <laughs> help help me with this Morgan is it uh, I think it's Marie Kondo's KonMari method. <laughs> so who do you think on this season of Supergirl needs that in their lives or how much do you think each of them would use it? Do you, do you have any you might have to explain this to me cuz you know I don't watch the show. So the Marie Kondo show um she basically goes through people's houses and helps them to like declutter. And her main thing is for people to like look at everything that they have and hold it and say, 
does this spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, um, you are to let it go. Thank it for its time with you and let it go. Uh, I do I do a lot of this with my bills. Uh, you do not spark joy. Into the trash you go. Um, so uh, who, who, let's see, who in the cast could really use the KonMari in their life? I, this is a good question. I feel like maybe James and Lena, I mm, feel like, yeah. uh, I think they KonMari'd each other. Uh, <laughs> They let that they that relationship was not sparking joy. They just let it go. But it, it feels like James especially has like a lot of different aspects of his life that don't tie together in any way that make any logical sense. So I don't know if James wants to con Mari Catco or, <laughs> or Guardian or remember how he's Guardian. Uh, the show doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I think for him, maybe he needs to uh, maybe he needs to like decide on a path and uh, and really weigh what sparks joy for him. Like um, he remembered that he was a photographer this episode. Maybe maybe that sparks joy. Mm. Maybe that sparks more joy than than being guardian. I don't know. That's a good answer. I'm I'm gonna go with that too. <laughs> um, that's a great question, though. New Rachel, amazing. I I like that. Like I mentioned Marie Kondo like earlier in the podcast, and then it comes back full circle. <laughs> uh, Daryl mentions that this is the second episode in which they've skipped the intro, and I think it means they must be redoing it. Well, they almost have to because the old intro talked about. Uh, uh, I work with my sister, my adoptive sister. Uh, at the DEO. Oh, yeah. Well, S- Supergirl no longer works at the DEO, and she can't work with Alex anymore because of the mind wipe. So if they were going to put a new intro in, it would have to be different. That is true. I didn't even think of that. We have an email from Elaine who writes, quote, I think I have a reasonable solution to the glasses debacle. Alex and Kara shared a room, but the new memory could be that they didn't share a room, thus keeping Kara's alien identity a secret. I also want to add that way uh, that way back when I was in high school, the only time I stumped my friends as far as appearances go is when I got a haircut. My hair used to be really long, and when I showed up one day, with short hair and waved hello at them, they were all confused for a second until they recognized it was me. But my friends know what I look like with and without my glasses. <laughs> hair length was the only problem I faced. Plot holes aside, I think this uh, the season is still good, unquote. So what I'm hearing is that car should get a haircut. That I think that's the solution that would solve a lot of her problems. Uh, because the glasses may not be the biggest issue. Although in this week's episode, she did at the very end, uh, when Alex comes over, she she doesn't have her glasses on when she's when Kara's by herself. But when Alex comes in, she puts the glasses on. Yeah, that made me laugh really hard, and I was like, really? <laughs> that was that was my one moment where I was like. The suspend the glasses non glasses suspension of disbelief. I feel like we've all we, we're here. It's Superman, Supergirl. We've all bought into this premise. Like you don't have to like lampshading it is making it worse. <laughs> yeah, I think they're still trying to go with the fact with, with the mind wipe. They're still trying to play by the rules of the mind wipe. And Kara, I think, is very. Uh, very conscious of that issue. So it makes sense that she would put the glasses on, but yeah, it's still kind of a little silly. And I don't know, I don't think we still, we still don't know if, if Jean has actually inserted new memories into Alex's mind. 
Um, but she definitely has some of those memories deleted. And I guess some of those deleted memories are Kara without glasses. So it is a... Uh, it is still a little tough to buy, but they they are still playing it up. Um, we have an email from Christine who shared some thoughts about the new Danvers sister dynamic. Uh, she says, I must admit, I was really taken off guard when, when members of the DEO so willingly decided to have their brains wiped of their memories. Seriously? No one had any reservations about this? No one asked if there might be any long-lasting side effects? And now we're seeing the downside to that plan. Alex has turned into a cold, heartless, no-nonsense government agent with absolutely no empathy for aliens at all, even Supergirl. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure where the writers plan to take this. It's pretty gut-wrenching to watch. Viewers have gotten used to the great relationship the two sisters have always had. This really hurts. And what about all the other DEO agents who had their minds wiped? Maybe they're all suffering the same or similar effects. Will Jean be able to restore their memories once the danger is gone? I think that's a really good point about the other DEO agents and what they might be going through at this point because even, even just the little bit of knowledge that that's been taken away from Alex. It's kind of been mess messing with other parts of her life. So it is possible that they, the other DEO agents could have some side effects to that. Um, in terms of Alex's relationship with Supergirl, I, I did think it was a, a notable development this week because Alex stands up for Supergirl to Colonel Haley saying that Supergirl is not the enemy so I don't know what's changed. Yeah, I was confused about that, too. Like, not that I'm unhappy about it, because I really didn't like that sort of heel turn she made towards Supergirl. But so that was like the I, I believe it was the last episode when she was being really um, kind of cold. And yeah, she was a huge Supergirl, yeah. really mean to Supergirl. And in this episode, she was like, well, Supergirl's not the enemy. And I'm like. I just feel, once again, like the show jumped over something that I need it to be there to explain things. Yeah, I don't know how she's all of a sudden come to the conclusion that Supergirl is not their enemy and that she now has nice things to say about her. I, I don't know how that happened. Maybe she was just feeling good about Valentine's Day. I don't know. Uh, so that was a little bizarre. Uh, well, uh, we received an email from Laura who writes, quote, I'm someone who does a Rebecca when it comes to Legends of Tomorrow. I have never watched Supergirl, but I listen to your <laughs> podcast. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fan of Legends of Tomorrow and the legendary lady. So I wandered over to Supergirl Radio in season three to check it out. I think Laura might be a Morgan Glennon fan. Oh, my God, Laura, you are a real champ. I just love anyone who listens to a podcast for a show they don't watch. I think that's amazing. <laughs> So Laura sent us a link uh, saying, I saw this and it immediately made me think of you guys regarding James's sleeping situation. Thought you might get a giggle from it. And it is legitimately one of the best, one of the best emails we've ever gotten. Uh, Morgan, do you, would you like to describe to the listeners what Laura has sent us? I'm crying. Um, <laughs> it is a literal nap death. Like, so the picture, the first picture is just like a normal white desk. It looks like really nice. And you're like, oh, cool. But then, but then <laughs> the like the, the, the one side of the desk flips down and the other side of the desk like flips out and it becomes 
a desk bed. Like there's a pillow. There's this woman sleeping under there. She looks happy as a clam, just as James would be with this situation. <laughs> this is real. Is, I've never seen. I've never seen anything like this before. <laughs> Nap desks. Oh my god! It's almost as if we spoke it into existence and we didn't know it. I'm taking credit. We made this happen, Rebecca. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so the description of this desk says from the website says tossing and turning the night before a big day at the office is pretty much inevitable uh, when all you desperately need to do is sleep. But what if you didn't have to worry about how many hours were left until your alarm went off because you could just nap at work anyway? <laughs> uh, so there is a, a, a designer who has made this, uh, I guess, made kind of a prototype, but it, there, it hasn't gone past the prototype stage. Uh, so I don't think this is for available to purchase just yet. I just want to point out that it's made of lacquered wood, metal, and white leather. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like I feel like James would really be into. Like I feel I feel like this is a desk that James would be like, yes, th- this is this feels like home. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does say in the description it's simple enough for an office, but still stylish for home. So, uh, <laughs> or it could be your home. Or it could be your home. <laughs> it's still style enough to be home. Uh, so I, I am delighted to know that this exists. Laura, it's <laughs> a great, great find with this email. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely put this uh, this link in the show notes for this episode of Supergirl Radio, so everybody can go and see that the idea behind James's desk is possible. It's real, you guys. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe one day uh, we'll we'll get to see that on the show uh, because we're we're seeing it in real life now. It's amazing. All right. Well, we have a voicemail from Mauricio. Hey, Supergirl Radio. Mauricio here. After a long hiatus, Supergirl is back. This week's episode was good. Can't believe they have Ben with Sun being evil now, but that's kind of weird. But yes, but what I'm more excited is for next week's episode because it looks like we're getting Tita Deletus. Now, here's my only question. Do you think it's going to be a good dash from the back? Because Deletus is full of powerful superhuman with powers, but Manchester Black doesn't have powers. So it's kind of weird watching Deletus with a leader who has no superpowers. But anyways, take care and have a nice week. Until next time, adios. And uh, Mauricio is concerned that Manchester Black is forming his team, the Elite, when he currently doesn't have any superpowers himself. Uh... I think that could be corrected pretty soon. Maybe he's one of the people who gets powers from Lena Luther. Ooh. I think that could be possible because she's she's gonna be making people super now. That's true. See, Lena, this is the downside. <laughs> you might be creating a team of supervillains. I mean, it happens. It happens. Listen, Lena, it's it's been a long it's been a long year. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, before we wrap up our feedback, we have some Snap Judgments. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Our first set of Snap Judgments are from Danae. What Valentine's gift would you rather get? A box full of chocolate 
or picture of yourself sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Danae. Uh, a box full of chocolate. I'm going to go a box full of chocolate because, again, where do you put that picture? <laughs> give me a good place in my home to hang that thing up. It's not going to creep the crap out of everybody who comes in. <laughs> oh, a beautiful picture of you sleeping above the television. <laughs> Um, okay. Janae has uh, another snap judgment. What are you more scared of? Snakes or getting your heart eaten out of you? Oh. I mean, I think I have to go getting my heart eaten out of me because that that's it. When yeah, when, yeah. when your heart goes, that's that's it. Maybe you could deal with a snake bite or just being around a snake, but getting your heart eaten out, that's your that's it's over at that point. That's it, yeah. <laughs> curtains closed yeah uh, yeah so i'm gonna also go with getting my heart eaten out because that seems bad yeah. uh, <laughs> uh so we have some snap judgments from abby uh she asks who is more oblivious regarding supergirl's identity lena or alex alex kind of has an excuse i think so i'm gonna go lena yeah, I got to go Lena, too, because Alex is like literally had her brain made into Swiss cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Lena is one of the smartest women on Earth. Uh, so you would think that she would figure this out. <laughs> um, okay, who would you like for a small role storyline and L Corp? Jess the secretary or Frank the driver? I think Frank the driver has probably seen some stuff. I got to go with Frank the driver. I wonder how many um, dudes Lena has broken up with by just <laughs> almost driving them to the airport and then just dropping them off before <laughs> they get to Paris. <laughs> what if that's her power move? And that's like, sorry, this is how I break up with people. I, I dangle a Paris vacation in front of them. And then I'm like, this isn't working out. <laughs> we need a ride to the airport. So I'm going to call my Rolls Royce. And get that over here. <laughs> I'm not sure if it really occurred to me how, like, ice-cold brutal that breakup actually was. <laughs> well, I had to just say it out loud. Like, she invited him to Paris, then in the car, basically set up a trap for him <laughs> to break up with him, and then left him on the side of the road on the way to the airport. <laughs> presumably he had like a bag packed and everything no no he didn't get anything out he just got out of the car and walked wouldn't it be great if she just like sent him back his luggage by <laughs> mail <laughs> posted on it like it's over oh man it is pretty Rough. brutal ice cold lena okay <laughs> uh uh abby s Kara multitasking between being supergirl and cat co-reporter or brainy multitasking between his Valentine knee problems and working at the DEO. It was way more entertaining to watch Brainy try to juggle all that stuff. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with Brainy too, just because he was looking for those good Valentine's Day bargains, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, okay, we have a couple snap judgments from Gina. She said, Would you rather be a superhero that wears a mask as the hero Nia or? Or one that doesn't and disguises yourself with a normal alter ego like Kara. Would I rather be the superhero? Mask or alter ego? I I don't want to wear a mask. I don't even like wearing my glasses. So I'm going to go no mask like Kara. Hmm. I don't know that I want to put that much effort into an alter ego because I'm pretty lazy. So I'm going to go mask like Mia. <laughs> <laughs> then that way you don't have to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't have to have a job that I never show up for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day party at Nia and Yvette 
or brunch at Kara's rooftop? Uh, I would rather go to brunch on Kara's rooftop. You know, that Valentine's Day party seemed real fun, but also brunch on a rooftop is not something I can turn down. Yeah, I for me, that Valentine's Day party, that would be fun for like 10 minutes for me. And then I'd be like, you people are too much for me. There was a lot happening there. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't know that I can do those kinds of parties anymore. It gets to a point where it's like, okay, okay, I got to get out of here. So I think a brunch is a little chiller for me. So I would do brunch on the rooftop. Um. Okay. Last snap judgment. Edible arrangements made out of marshmallow flowers or chocolate-covered fruit. This is a really tough snap judgment why not both (laughs) (laughs) for me though i think i i love chocolate more than i like marshmallow so i and fruit is a little healthier for you so i'm gonna go chocolate covered fruit chocolate covered fruit is really good i'm gonna go marshmallow flowers because they look really fun they did look fun i like the fun aspect of like being able to bite like the top off of a flower and it's marshmallow No judgments on your snap judgments. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending in your uh, your feedback and your snap judgments. Uh, I think that's going to do it for all of our thoughts and feedback on Menagerie. Uh, so if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail like Mauricio did, you can call us at 678-718-7252. Uh, Please send all of your feedback in before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, and that way we can get it into the dock for the episode. Uh, You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Radio Public, and also on Podchaser, if that's your jam. Uh, we are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio, so if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review there. And you can find all of the links that I have just mentioned on supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page. And now, since uh, we're, we're doing... Uh, the plugs uh, through our listeners, and Morgan doesn't have to do them anymore. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We're going to throw it over to Mark for this week's DC TV plugs. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you like Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, or just podcasts about it, iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, or classic DC TV shows, or the upcoming Swamp Thing and Stargirl shows, you can subscribe to the Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm still there at Derby Kid. Uh, <laughs> still doing a little tweeting. Uh, get it while you can. Get, get I mean, get in there while you can. Uh, uh, less than a year until I call it quits on Twitter. Just putting it out there. I'm just imagining that like 24 time clock, like ching. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do like a count. Maybe maybe I'll do like a countdown or something. Uh, when when I do it, we'll we'll have to see. Maybe, can you do like a Periscope live, and then delete <laughs> your Twitter account? Is that I don't know, but I want you to find out. 
maybe I could try that. Maybe I could do a Periscope live countdown to when I delete my Twitter account and see what happens. <laughs> the broadcast just stops. It's happened. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter if you want to. Um, I voice a character named Leanne on a sketch comedy podcast called The Fakest. And I just recorded a lot of dialogue for episode 201. So the, the new episode is going to come out soon. It has a lot of Leanne. So if you're into that... Um, I got uh, a lot of cool stuff uh, going on for the fakest now. Uh, I'm also a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over at jluniverse.podomatic.com. And I was recently a guest on Watchmen Minute for minutes 156 and 157. So if you are interested in the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie, which I think is a cinematic masterpiece, but others may disagree, uh, you can go and check those episodes out. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram um, at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-A-S-T-I-C. I'm also a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. Um we are planning some stuff for this continuing long hiatus, uh, and I think we should have a new episode out pretty soon, uh, but you can check out some of our hiatus episodes uh, that we've done. We're trying to aim to do about like one a month. Uh, it's been a very long hiatus. <laughs> that is so crazy. Are they trying to stretch it out so that the finale is in May? I think so. I mean, I'm also like unclear about what's going on with Supergirl's schedule. Because uh, did you notice that we have all like there is off next week? Yeah. So we had the two weeks off, which was very refreshing. Uh, we got some time to regroup and rest up for the second half. But then now the the Oscars, we're going to miss Supergirl episode because of the Oscars. Oh, the Oscars. Okay. Yeah. I was like, why are we taking another week off after we just had two weeks off? Yeah, it's tough for Sunday shows because you have to compete with Sunday night football sometimes, uh, Super Bowls, Oscars. We're getting into award show season, so a lot of those happen on Sunday nights. So uh, sun Sunday shows have a have a tough time. But yeah, we've we've been having a lot of breaks here, so. Um, I guess that's what happens when you're a Sunday show and uh, big things are happening. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that Legends has such a long break. That's a little crazy. But that means uh, more Legends of Tomorrow podcast episodes. Exactly. Which I'm good with. That's that's fine with me because I don't have to wait for the show to come back because I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but it's all it's all bonus content to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I get I get the podcast episodes, which is what what I really care about the most. So that's that's good to know. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode on Menagerie. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we hope you enjoyed some marshmallow roses on Valentine's Day. (laughs) 